Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, today is the romance part of the message, and uh, whenever you go to a, a wedding, you usually hear the vows, I take you, my lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold, and what we say is, from this day forward. And that's kind of been our mentality with this relationship goals. Because a lot of times when you talk about relationships, there can be a lot of guilt. There can be a lot of shame that, that come with that. But we're saying today that we are going from this day forward. Let's look at our theme verse for today. It's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19. And Jeremiah is writing. This is a book where he's lamenting. He's, he's depressed. And he says, I remember my affliction. In other words, I remember the things that really caused me some bad times, some things that I did that I shouldn't have done. He says, and wandering. I remember my affliction and my wandering. He says, I've really gone places I shouldn't have gone. And in reality, if we were all honest, we've all had affliction and wandering at some point in our lives. And he says, look, I remember the bitterness and the gall. He says, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, I have hope. Would you say that with me today? Would you say, I have hope? And here's why he has hope in verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, one translation says, his mercies are new every morning. So this morning, his mercies are new. And so wherever you're at in relationships today, I want you to know that his mercies are new today. And that's why we're taking the approach. It's from this day forward. And we've asked this question, are great marriages possible? And we said, yes, but they are not likely. They're not probable. Right now, the odds are stacked against us. It's, it's pretty sad that even, uh, even among Christians, the statistics are 50-50. But you know what? 50% chance that a person could get a divorce when they get married. But here's the good news. I, and I love this because God is for us. And you know what? God created marriage to succeed 100% of the time. That if we do it God's way, there can be a 100% success rate if we do it his way. And this is what we've been talking about, committing to these five things to help our odds. And here's the five things we talked about. Number one, as a couple, seeking God. All great relationships put God first. And then we talked about last week, fighting fair. And you can actually download that at passionlifechurch.com. Number three, that's today's message, having fun, romance. Number four, staying pure. And number five, never giving up. That's the endurance part. What does endurance look like? Let's say all these together. Can we do it? Number one, seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, and never give up. Let's talk about the romance. Let's talk about having fun in marriage. You know, some churches, I think, take two approaches when it comes to when you talk about romance, when you talk about sex, one, I think, one approach is we just don't talk about it. Shh, don't say the S word. We're not going to say it in church. Shh, do not say the word sex. And this is how I grew up. Or they say when they do talk about sex, they say sex is dirty, ugly, and gross. And you know what? 
And they don't even talk about in marriage how good sex can be. You know what I find interesting is in a lot of my study that I did this week, it was really tough to find good material on sex within marriage because a lot of the material on sex is just don't do it. Don't do it. In marriage, God created sex for marriage. And so here's what happens. And I don't know if this happened with you, but because I grew up in a church where sex was gross and ugly, this is what they talked about. You can go into marriage having that mentality that it's, it's, it's shameful, it's guilty, or you feel guilty. And I really believe that even today in today's message, that shame is going to be removed from people's lives today. Guilt is going to be removed from people's lives today. You know why? Because his mercies are new today. And we can find some truth in this. Or here's the second approach that I think people have. They either silent, some churches are silent on it, or what happens is some churches have what I call the screaming approach. They're condemning everybody, calling everybody out, you know, that's in sin constantly. Listen, our goal today is to seek truth in this area. And I really believe people need to know the truth through a conversation, not through condemnation. I want to say that again. People need to know the truth through a conversation, not through condemnation. You know, in John chapter 8, verse 20, in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You know, truth, when it is spoken, the Bible also talks about it needs to be spoken in love. But truth has a freeing power in our lives. You know, when you understand the truth about what Jesus did on the cross and how he's forgiven us of our sins, you are free. That truth sets us free. What? Free to worship him. Free to lift up our hands and say, God, I am not under condemnation. I am under the blood of Jesus. So I can come boldly into your throne. Why? Because truth will set you free. It'll set you free to worship. But can I just take that into the context of relationships? When you understand the truth about romance, when you understand the truth about sex, it brings a freedom to be more intimate because there's no guilt and there's no shame. And God wants us to know the truth. And here is the truth. God created sex. I put it on the PowerPoint today because I want... And I don't want any of you to doubt, did he just say God created sex? That's exactly what I said. And for some of you that have never thought about a reason to worship God, I just gave you one. If you need one reason to worship, there it is, buddy. Is right there. God created sex. What did he create it for? He created it for a man and a woman who are married to enjoy each other. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It says this, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Listen to these words for the Lord, for the Lord is your life. He is first. So here's what we're going to talk about 
before we talked about before we talk about some of the practical things and and and, and romance and 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 sex, I want to build a little bit of a foundation, what I call a life-giving foundation that helps us to build on, so we can have the best fun and the and have sex the way that God created it to be. And here's three life-giving principles. Here's number one: life-giving relationships look to God as their source for their lives. We need to, as couples, we talked about this in part one, pray together. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of our marriage together. I know you may do that separately, but it's important that we do that together. In other words, God is coming first in our lives, in our relationships. You know, a lot of times I don't go to my wife first. I go to God first with things. And if I go to God first, when I tell my wife, it doesn't put a pressure on her to have to be something that she's not. And a lot of times, if we don't put God first in our marriage, we begin to put pressure on our spouse that God never intended for them to have. God has to become first. Our spouse is second. We seek God first. And you know what's amazing is when we seek God first as a couple, we become closer together as a couple. And life-giving relationships, they look to God as their source. Listen, my wife is not the source of my happiness. I was happy before I got married. Now, are we happy together? Absolutely. But it is not my, res- my wife's responsibility to make me happy. My happiness and joy must come from God first. You know, there are so many couples that the spouse is totally drained. The, the wife or the husband sucks the life out of them because they believe that their spouse is supposed to give them the life that they need. Ladies and gentlemen, only God can do that for us. And so as we build this foundation, we have to know that God is the source of our life and our love. He's the source of the life and love. Love isn't something. Love is someone. God is love. And our first calling is to love God. When I love God, there will be love that overflows from my life to my spouse's life. But sometimes even in love, we're looking for our spouse to fulfill our needs. Only God can do that. And so life-giving relationships look to God as the source of their life. We have to find our source of joy, happiness from God first. I think we're putting way too much pressure on our spouse for something that only God can give. Is this helping this morning? Let God be the source of your love needs. Let God be the source. Can you imagine two couples so in love with Jesus? Can you imagine what kind of love life they would have with each other? It's pretty powerful because he's got to be that source. Here's number two. Life-giving relationships happen when two servants, two servants are in love. Right now, what we're doing is I'm building a foundation Since God is the one who completes me, since God is the one who fills me with life, when that happens in me, that's when the miracle takes place. 
and I can become the person that I could never be on my own. You know, I've watched people, and it's one of the greatest joys of being a pastor. You know, I never got into being a pastor because of the money. I never, I really got into being a pastor because I love seeing people's lives change. It's the greatest fulfillment in life. And one of the things I've noticed is that, and we've seen it, we see it in this church all the time, people will come who are not churched, and they will, or they're coming back to church after a long period of time, and it's actually part of our vision to see this, they will have an encounter with Jesus. They will allow Jesus to come inside their heart. And we know what begins to happen. I see, I see a couple things. Number one, generosity begins to flow. They don't become, they're not selfish anymore. And you know what they do? They begin to serve. Like they begin to put other people first. As they put God first, they begin to serve other people. And it's one of the things that happens when, when you begin to, to seek God. That's Jesus was a servant. Our God, his nature is a servant. He served humanity's greatest need by sending his son to die on the cross. And so what happens? Life-giving relationships happen when two servants are in love. So here's how the best sex happens. The best sex happens in marriage when one person is serving another Why do you say that, Pastor Phil? Because rarely will our needs match. Rarely will our libidos match. Chemistry comes and goes. But in marriage, when I take on the identity of a servant for my wife, I'm here to serve you. This isn't just about fulfilling my needs. This is about fulfilling your needs needs. And you know what? A servant spirit is the only spirit that can guarantee ultimate sexual fulfillment. My commitment to my wife is to serve her. This is huge. And if you are here today and you're not married, you're thinking about getting married. It's something you have to think about because I remember when we were dating, me and my wife were dating, I understood this. I understood who she was. And here's the decision I had to make for the rest of my life. Will I serve this woman? And I got to tell you, in my relationship with Valerie, as we were friends and grew, she is one of the best people to serve. And I gladly, when I said I do, I said, for the rest of my life, I am here to serve you. Now, if there is a person in your life and you are single and you're like, I would never serve them. Well, don't get married to them. It's hard to serve a selfish person. When you take on this life-giving principle, it doesn't matter if I need it or not. If my spouse needs it or not, I'm here to serve you. Let me give you an example. I may not need to talk about certain things, but my wife may need to talk about them. Whether I need to talk or not, she needs to talk, so I'm here to serve her. I thought I'd get a better amen from the ladies. So I'm here to serve her. Whether I need to, so when she needs to talk, here's what I have to do I have to serve her by listening whether I need it or not. And the same when it comes to sexual relationship. You say, well, Phil, that's, you know, that's just a recipe for abuse. No, it's not. The Bible says that when we get married, this big old body right here is hers. And that beautiful body that she's got 
is mine. We are one. We are one together. And this is why having fun among two servants is amazing. And there's something we need to understand. Let me get a little bit deeper. Jesus was a servant. Do you remember at the Last Supper, the disciples were arguing, well, you know, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And while they're arguing, Jesus goes and begins to wash their feet. And he begins to wash their feet. And they're kind of grossed out by this. And they're, what's going on? Because somebody didn't hire a foot washer. So you know what Jesus does? He gets down and he begins to serve their needs. Now, I think it's important that we understand when I'm serving you, I'm not putting myself under you as a vulnerable uh, in a vulnerable position. When I'm serving you, I'm actually decided to represent myself from a place of humility, not a place of pride. Listen, we, we don't understand serving. We don't. When Jesus got down and washed the disciples' feet, he did not lose his identity. He established his identity. And this is why Jesus didn't need a title of foot washer to wash people's feet. He saw a need and he met it. And I'm amazed that even in the church, it's like people need titles to do certain things. No, just let's serve people's needs. See, a servant is needs conscious. They see a person's need and they meet that need. They don't need a title. Jesus got down and he started to wash people's feet. And you know what I find pretty interesting? I think there's really two reasons why people don't serve. Number one, because of insecurity. And the second one is because of fear. Because we think that somehow we're going to lose who we are in serving. You don't lose who you are. You actually establish who you are. And, you know, Peter looks at Jesus while he's washing his feet. And Peter says, hey, hey, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said this, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, this partnership here isn't going to work out. Because the kingdom of God is all about serving other people. And that's a pretty bold statement. And Jesus himself, God himself, the nature of who he is, is a servant. And the greatest marriages in the world are two servants in love. Is this good this morning? See, the worst marriages are two selfish people in love. Two selfish people in love. It's hard and it's tough to be intimate with a selfish person. It's tough. That's why when we take on the attitude of a servant, honey, here I am. I am here to serve you. And let me just say it again. Life-giving relationships happen when two servants are in love. And where does that come from? That comes from the power of God. Because in reality, all of us think about us. We think about our needs. But when you have an encounter with Jesus and Jesus is working in your life, you begin to see other people. You begin to see other needs. I always tell people, I have a message called dangerous prayers. Pray this prayer. It's a very dangerous prayer. God, let me see people how you see them. You will never be the same because you will be walking through the store and your heart will start to be broken for people. And it won't be about you. It'll be about them. But how much more in marriage? And here's the third principle. And again, we're just putting a foundation this morning. Number three, life-giving relationships make this choice every day. The choice what? To serve. To serve each other. And I think one of the reasons why I put this in the notes is just to dispel this whole myth that 
oh, you know, I, I, I fell out of love and we fell out of love. Ladies and gentlemen, love is not a ditch. I didn't fall in a ditch and get married and go, I fell and I tripped and oh, I fell in love. Whoa, I'm in love. And then I walked a couple steps, fell down and fell out of the ditch or fell into another ditch and like, no, I'm not in love anymore. We don't fall in love. We choose love. Love is chosen. We, we choose love. My church, my church family, love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment and a choice. Do you feel love? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I love to feel it. Did I come to the right church this morning? And some of you that are looking at me kind of mean, you need to feel some love. I'm going to give you a hug right after church. I'm going to give you a hug. I love, I love it. I love that it, but you know what? It's not a feeling. It's a choice. I love this scripture. I was meditating on this. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse four. It said, even before he, who God, even before God made the world, God loves us and chose us. Oh, I love it. Not only does he love you, he chose you. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And I, and I love, so every day I have to choose to let God fill my needs. Why? So I can serve my spouse. So I can serve my spouse. You know, one time Val and I took a little uh, just vacation in El Paso. We moved from El Paso, Texas to Marietta about five years ago. So our church is only four years old. And, uh, but in El Paso, about three, uh, three hours away is a place called Rio Doso, New Mexico. And it's kind of like our Big Bear. People go to Big Bear here. And uh, uh, is that what it's called, Big Bear? Right? I don't know why it's called Big Bear. But anyway, maybe there's big bears there. And so uh, we were in Rio Doso. And, uh, you know, it's, it's snowing. It's beautiful. And this is before we had my son. And uh, we, we, we just we got there. It was a cabin that her boss owned. And she told the employees that they could use it if, if they, they wanted. And so we had scheduled some time and just spent like a week there. And we went to Rio. It was, it was so beautiful. I mean, literally snow falling. Uh, from the clouds. I mean, you look outside, it was like a Hallmark card. And then they had a real fireplace there. You had to go out and, and they had real logs that you put in the real fireplace. <laughs> and we put the, and got the fire going. It was beautiful. And I remember sitting next to her and we got our blanket and hot chocolate and the fire's going. You could hear the crackling of the fire. And, you know, it's so cute and cuddly and rubbing each other's noses and it's beautiful. And 15 minutes later, the fire ain't there because it's beginning to dwindle. And I got to look at her and she looks at me and she says, whose turn is it to go get the logs? I said, well, I'll, I'll go get the logs. Take off the blanket go outside, put on my boots. It's 20 degrees outside. Got to take a broom, wipe off all the snow from the logs, get the logs, try to stack as many as you can, right? They're tearing into your forearms. You have splinters and you're coming back, right? And you're like, honey, can you, can you just help me put a couple? And she's like, no, it's too cold outside. And so you come up, she opens the door, you get in there and she's like, you're getting snow on the carpet. 
I thought we had the same goals to light a fire. And you're concerned that there's snow. Put it down, right? All of that. Why? Just to keep the fire going. Just to keep the fire going. And what is my point? To keep the fire going, it takes some work. It takes some work. That's why here in Marietta, we have gas logs. Hey, you can clap for glass, gas logs. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus, for gas logs. But the broader point is that nobody's sitting in front of the fire anymore. Nobody's sitting in front of the fire anymore. And you know why? Because it's gas logs, just fake. And that's what lies. That's the whole point. A lot of us have chosen gas logs instead of a real fire. Because you know why? The fire takes some work. And you're going to find out that great relationships take a great work ethic of two servants serving each other to make the fire work. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? Oh, the fire's pretty, but it takes work. It takes work. And I want to encourage you. And, and the reason why I say that, I'm encouraging because some people think that 42 years back there is automatic, that love is just going to happen. No, love's a choice to get up every day and to serve your spouse. And we are having a war of who can serve who. Uh, that's the greatest war to have is to serve each other. And so let's get practical now that we set a, a good foundation of having fun. Let's, let's, let's get practical. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse Verse 9. I want to give you some Bible for everything I'm talking about because some of you still don't believe this stuff is in the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, listen, verse 9, live happily. One translation says, live joyfully, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life. <gasps> Solomon's telling us that life is going to have ups and downs and there's going to be days that seem meaningless. And in those days, run to your spouse and enjoy them and live happily with your spouse. Come on, somebody. Live happily with the woman you love all the meaningless days of that, of, of that life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. We talked about this in part one where uh, Solomon says this, there is a reward for good relationships. There is a reward when you invest in relationships. And he's talking about your spouse. There is a reward for all this work. Enjoy your spouse. Now, as we talk about having fun, I really believe that God just ministered to me about a couple of things. When we talk about this area of having fun, you know, God created us a triune being. We are a three-part being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a spirit, you have a soul. What is your soul? Your mind, will, and emotion. Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit, anyone's spirit, is always looking for God. This spirit is always on a spiritual journey. That's why even if a person is an atheist, inside of them, there is a question all the time because that's just how God created us. This spirit is what's most like God right here in your spirit. 
But you have, let me say it this way, three needs. Your spirit has needs, your mind, will, and emotions has needs, and your physical body has needs. So I believe God intended for us to have fun in all three areas. And so here's the first one. God wants us to have fun emotionally. Now, this is more for the ladies, but this is for men too. And uh, I'm hoping that some of you guys will take notes today because God wants us to have fun emotionally. Long before you get to the physical part or the sexual part, I really believe your soul needs to be fed. Your emotions need to be fed. And the soul needs to have fun. And sex in marriage is the best when we've created an environment of fun for our emotions as well. So what do you do to have fun emotionally? Because in reality, I would say the primary way that we fill our spouse's emotional tank or drain them is really by our words. Really by our words. You can either drain your spouse by your words or you can bless them and fill their emotional tank with blessing. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. It says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. In other words, your family, your marriage. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and be humble. We read, we read through this in our Having a Life You Love series. It says, do not repay evil with evil or insult for insult, but with blessing because to this you were called you were called to blessing listen because to this you were called so that you would inherit a blessing so when i fill up my emo my wife's emotional tank with words of blessing oh my boo you look so good today oh i always do this every time she dresses up and going out to work i said Wah. And she just, and I don't want her to leave for work, but I know. But I'm like, whoa, wow. And she just, now, before she goes, oh, stop it. Now she goes, say it again. And I will tell you, this is one thing my wife is great at with me. She always blesses me. She always does. She always, Phil, you are so, you are so cute. I'm not lying, right? She's like, it's true. She's blessed. Oh my goodness. You are, you are so cute. Look at, she'll grab my face. Look at that face. And I'm like, I didn't even shower yet. And she's like, look at that face, look at that. But you know what she does? She's filling my emotional tank. And you may look at me and go, Phil, you ain't even all that. But you know what? Let me just tell you this, my wife knows faith because the Bible says we have to speak those things that are not as though they were, right? Come on, somebody. And here's the reality. When she speaks those words over me, come on, I walk out of the house like David Beckham. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. Watch out, Brad Pitt. Because that's how my wife makes me feel. So when I come into the bedroom, I'm like, hallelujah, I feel like a man. Woo! Bless them. Bless them with your words. Bless them with your words. I'm going to say something very honest. So that's why if some fine-looking woman comes up to me and goes, hey, 
you look cute. I say, I know. My wife tells me every day. Because some of us never hear that from our spouse. Then when someone comes along and says, hey, let me hit at you. We don't, our emotional tanks are empty. And I'm not condoning behavior, but what I'm saying is that when your spouse goes to work, they need to feel like they are emotionally fed. Come on, somebody, in Jesus' name. And so we have to feed that tank. And, it, <laughs> and, and in reality, ladies, you and us, as men, we're different people. We're different people. And especially when it comes to having fun. Let me just say, guys, we are like helicopters. We are like, let me tell you a little bit about helicopters. Helicopters go up and down and they can land pretty much anywhere. That's what, that's what we are. We're, we're, we're helicopters. Want to have fun? Yes. When, where, let's go. We're, we're there. We're all about that. Ladies, not so much. You are like a fine airliner. You need a runway. You need, come on, ladies, where are you? We're up, down, yeah, woo, there's dirty lawn. We don't care. Let's jump in the dirty lawn. Let, it's all right. Well, that, oh, no. We need, ladies, you need that. Not most ladies, right? I think 30% of ladies have more of a sexual libido than their husbands. 30, but for the most part. Ladies, you like that emotional tank to be filled. You like the runway prepared. You need a runway to take off, a runway to land. <laughs> Guys, I'm helping you. <laughs> so here's what we do as gentlemen. We bless you. We fill that emotional tank to prepare the runway for the takeoff and the landing because we're, we're different. So we, we use our words. As a woman, we all have intimacy gates. And for a woman, your intimacy gate is your ears. What you hear. Blessing. Ladies, our intimacy gate is our eyes. We're visual. So can I just give you a, a little encouragement? You coming out in grandma's PJs? Listen, I know you're warm, but that's not going to work. I know you're comfortable, but we are visual. That's our intimacy gate. Is this too real this morning? Yours is your ear. So how am I going to prepare my wife's runway? Speak blessing. Fill her emotional tank. Um, one night we had some great fun to the point where I looked at my wife and I said, what got into you? And here's what she said. You did the dishes today. So she went to work. I took the appointments. I went back in the kitchen the next day. I'm scrubbing all the dishes, <laughs> mopping the floor, cleaning out the refrigerator. Come on, somebody. We got to fill the emotional tank. She's laughing because she knows it's true. But let me just say this. She signed up for this when she married me. She knew I was a pastor. She knew she would be in my messages. Here's number two. God wants us to have fun physically. He really does. 
in the context of marriage. Anything outside of marriage is hurtful. It hurts people. You'll get hurt. And there's a real art to this, to understand that, man, God's way is the best way. And let me say this, God's way is the only way. Somebody asked me, Pastor Phil, what if they start changing laws? And are you going to change the way you talk about sexuality? No, because marriage has always been between a man and a woman. That's the way God created it. And, uh, and, it, and when we do it God's way, I got to tell you, when we do it his way, oh, it is the best. Ladies and gentlemen, God put pleasure in sexuality. God did that for us created it for us. Look at Proverbs chapter five, verse 18. He wants us to have fun physically. He says, may your fountain be blessed. If you look in scripture, male's anatomy, a male's anatomy is the fountain in the Bible. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. So in the Bible, male's anatomy is the fountain and in the Bible, women's anatomy is the well. And so he says, look, a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, love does not have to be gray. Look at what God says. He says, I want you to have so much fun. I want you to be intoxicated with each other in the love that I have for you. And what's interesting is that the Bible uses a deer approach. And I love this. If you ever hunted deer, guys, how do you hunt deer? This is all about the approach. When you hunt deer, you get onto the field very quietly. You tiptoe, right? Because you don't just come out and go, hey, no, the deer run away and your hunt is over. So you approach it very lightly. And you know, sex God's way is tender, it's affirming, and it's actually holy. It's actually holy. Song of Solomon 4, 5, he says, your breasts are like two fawns, like t- the twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. So here's the broader point. How you approach sex, men, don't approach it in a way that cheapens what it is. Because the world is going to try to bring things in to tell you what to do and how to, to do it. And yet, they're not the originators of sex. God is. So for us, as the approach, as we approach you ladies, listen, don't do anything that cheapens that moment. Keep that respect. Keep that love. So here's the point to you guys. Don't cheapen the moment. Now, here's the approach for you ladies. Just have an approach. Or let me say it this way, ladies. Just approach. We're helicopters. If you just approach, it's good. Come on, somebody. Just approach. We will be tender. Ladies, approach. Be careful with your approach. And when you have sex God's way, you will experience how God intended it to be. And he intended it for you and I, for, for, uh, for me and my spouse to have pleasure together. And let me say this, 
So when we do have fun together, it's supposed to bring us together. So it happens more often. I said, the, I think the average right now, uh, statistically, is about two times a week. And I'm hoping that today, you go home and hear this message and you be doers of the word. <laughs> Not just hearers only. I want each one of you married couples coming back next week with a smile on your face. Because <laughs> you're going to go home and you're going to tell, you are going to tell your, your, uh, the people at your work, Hey, our pastor talked about sex. He told everybody in the congregation, all the married couples to go and have sex. You know what your coworker's gonna do? How come you didn't invite me to church? And you just look at them and you say, well, you told me you're not a church-going person. But there's an approach. There's an approach. Listen, feed the emotional side. Guys, ladies, be proactive with the physical and because those desires need to be filled. Your emotional desires need to be filled. The physical desire needs to be filled. And I'm just not, I'm not gonna harp on this, but let me just say this. Be careful about how much denying is going on because that frustrates and pushes towards other places. And we're here to serve each other. We're here to serve each other. You're not just a body, you're not just a soul, but you are a spirit. And here's the last one for today. I believe God wants us to have fun spiritually. I never heard this talked about before or preached before, and I just really feel like I want to share this with you. You know, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a holy calling. So you and your spouse have a holy calling. And so God wants us to have fun spiritually together. So God designed for you and your spouse to make a difference together on this earth. And I believe that this is one area that most couples never really tap into. It's a third of who you are. It's your spirit. It's your spirit part. And God wants you both to come together and make a difference in this world. You know what that does? That feeds the need of your spirit. It feeds the need in your spirit. And I've learned many, many years ago, one of the best ways to pastor people is to give them a vision that's bigger than themselves, to live for something that's bigger than themselves. So as a couple, when you come together, you make a difference together. I think one of the strongest bonds that Val and I share is our ministry together. Doing Passion Life Church, doing youth ministry together. It has bonded us. It's been amazing. And I would just encourage you today. We talked about serving. Listen, you all need to serve together. And not necessarily in the same department, but here at Passion Life Church, maybe sign up to be a greeter together and serve and make a difference together. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Here's what I want to close with today. I want to close with this thought. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, a lot of people have this idea and they can fall into this myth that the grass is greener on the other side. You know why the grass is greener on the other side? Because they're taking care of their grass and watering their grass. And sometimes we look at our own lawns or we look at our own yards and we look around and we just think, man, that looks better. But the Bible says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in other words, wherever I put my time, my energy, see some people, their treasure is their career. 
and their treasure is their career, which is over the treasure of their spouse. They put all their time, energy into career, and that's why their heart is not where it needs to be in the marriage. But I just want to encourage you, if you're here today and maybe you're going through some rough stuff or maybe you're just kind of on the brink, here's what I would encourage you to do. Take your time, your energy, your money, and put it into your spouse. Put your treasure there. And you know what will happen in about three to six weeks? Your heart will follow. It's a decision that we make together to put our treasure. And I want to ask you today, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Because here's the reality. Here's where we close today. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead. I say that today because I think we have it switched. Well, I just kind of feel, and I'm feeling romantic. And hey, I tell couples all the time, why don't you just plan something? What, Pastor Phil? The best sex is spontaneous. Mm-mm, some of the best sex is planned. We get a night together. We are going for it this night. And I want to tell you, me and Val, we have a plan. My son doesn't go to bed at 8.30 because we're good parents. He goes to bed at 8.30 so we can have some fun. And I say that because some of you, it doesn't matter when your kids go to bed and they're up till 11, 12 at night and you guys can't even talk or have intimacy and your kid, you're letting your kids run them up. Listen, get some goals and plan some stuff because when you choose, the feelings will follow after. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, would you stand with us and let's give the Lord a great round of applause as we close. And I'm gonna invite my wife to come up here. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.